24-24 right now. She's obliterating the record. Alicia Barnall is about to four-peat. The only man in history to do it. Kara Goucher, she wanted to do this event. It was important to her. Here in Duluth, how sweet it is. Her arm raised in triumph. Welcome, everybody, to the Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast brought to you by Essentia Health. I am Zach Schneider. I'm the Marketing and Public Relations Director here at Grandma's Marathon, and we are joined today by another of our adopted hometown Olympic hopefuls, uh, somebody that you've probably become familiar with if you followed our race over the last three or four years, Dakota Linworm, our two-time women's champion. She was the runner-up this past year, and we've done a podcast with her in the past. Welcome back to the show, though, Dakota. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love to be a part of anything and everything Grandma's Marathon, so I'm happy to be here. You are here mainly to talk about the build-up to the excitement of the Olympic trials in early February down in Orlando, but first, let's reflect a little bit on your time in Duluth, where you've become such a fan favorite. You're a two-time champion. You were the runner-up this past summer, uh, falling uh, to Lauren Haggins in her debut marathon. But it's been such a special ride. We were your first ever competitive marathon uh, a couple years back. Now you're a two-time champion. Uh, We hope that you'll come back and try to add more uh, wins to your record. But what has the city of Duluth and the event of Grandma's Marathon meant to you? Uh, I know how we feel about you coming back uh, to Duluth every summer, but what has has the last four or five years meant to you? Um, I feel like every time I go to Grandma's Marathon, I get a big step in my career. And I think I owe so much of my success to, um, to Grandma's. And I mean, I, outside of just like the success I've had at Grandma's, there's so much more that that race has given me. It's given me some of my most favorite running memories, like, um, you know, running into my mom's arms when I had finished my first marathon and getting to run into my grandpa's arms and my dad's arms. But um, I think when I think about my career, it's almost um, step in step with Grandma's. Every time I run there, I seem to take a big step forward and I just really appreciate um you know it was my first competitive half marathon also it was the first uh race I ever got an elite bib for in 2018 so it just always feels like coming home and like where where my story started your story is is one that we've seen before at, at Grandma's Marathon. We're a race that that attracts a lot of up-and-coming runners, uh, runners who maybe haven't found the success at some of the other world majors like a Chicago or a Boston or, or a New York. We tend to get them earlier in their careers. We're thankful that you've kept coming back uh, to Grandma's, but your success both here and earlier in your career has led you into some of those other races. You've run in in Boston now several times. You've run in New York. You've run now in Chicago, which you did uh, in 2023. Can you compare the runner or even just the person that you are now to 2018 when you were somebody that we hadn't heard of and nobody in Duluth had heard of. Uh, can you compare the last five years, the transformation that that you've gone through as an athlete? It's funny. I would almost say I'm the exact same runner who's just got these big dreams, who 
doesn't really know how they're going to pan out. But I, I've always, I let, I look back at that 2018 Dakota and laugh to think she thought she could be an Olympian when she could, she was running a 116 half marathon. I finished uh, my first marathon at grandma's in 234, like under no circumstances that should I have been believing that I could have been an Olympian, but I, I was, and that's still the girl I am today. Just a little bit actually closer to those goals. Um, I'd say I'm just like the same, the same naive girl, just trying to run fast. <laughs> it's a good segue into what we're here to talk about, which is the the Olympic trials. And as you and I are, are sitting here, they're in three and a half weeks uh, down in Florida. They're set for early February. Uh, and you are one of the people that, you know, I think a lot of people who have come to, to know you in Duluth will be watching uh, on that race day. But What's your preparation been like? How do you feel as we're talking here today going into another Olympic trials? I am super excited. I feel like I say this all the time, but I really do think I am in the best fitness of my career, which is super exciting. I think if the race ends up being a faster race, I could get a nice PR, but I more importantly, really think I have a shot to make this team. Um, I I'm texting my family, my coach, my, you know, I just told my dad that uh, his birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And I said, for your birthday, I'm going to get you a trip to Paris. So I really do believe that um, I'm in the type of fitness that it takes to make the team. Um, and I would not be surprised if I was in the top three, but I'm certainly going to be competitive up front. You just talked about how maybe you're in a different mindset back then um, than you are now, but you've run in an Olympic trials before. What did you learn from that experience or or did you learn something from that experience that you want to take in? Or is this a completely new Dakota, completely new race? Uh, or are you taking something that you, you found in 2020 into this year's trials? Yeah, I think there was a naive part of me that thought maybe, maybe I could make the team. That was definitely more of a, that would have been more of a lucky thing if I had made the 2020 trials, but I definitely learned a lot from that race. I learned more about the strategy. That's something I, I don't usually see a lot at like a grandma's marathon is there's more of a strategic aspect to the trials where it's more of a survive in advance um, throughout the race. And I definitely remember watching women make moves and watching other women cover them. And that is going to be me this time. I want to be the one covering all the moves. Something that we we learn when we're talking to elite high level marathoners is, is the confidence to get on the starting line and feel like you belong. It's it's such a long race and there's so much time to think and, and be in your own head. But has your success not just here at Grandma's Marathon, but the success you've seen at Boston and at Chicago, the way that you've been able to run those races among the best not only American marathoners, but international marathoners as well. Do you feel like that confidence that you've gained helps to where you're going to be in three and a half weeks among the nation's best marathoners? Absolutely. I think you have to be able to like see it in your own head before you can do it in real life. And I know that um, I keep talking about how the American and everybody keeps talking about how the American women are just like on a new level. And I'm part of the reason the American women are on a new level. I think it's really easy to look around and be like, Oh, everybody is so successful and everybody's running so well. But like, I'm, I am learning to respect the fact that I'm a part of that, you know, like four years ago, I would have been looking at 
a woman who had run my time and thought, oh, I just, I'm starstruck by somebody like that. And now I get to kind of fill those shoes and be like, oh, I am the the women that people look up to. So I definitely am going to carry a lot of confidence on the start line at the Olympic trials. My workouts have gone really well. I'm running super high mileage. And so I'm, I've done everything I, I have to at this point. There is a difference, though, when you compete at Grandma's Marathon, where this past year you were the two-time champion. There was a, a lot made about your return. You're trying to go for three in a row, and, and Lauren Higgins ended up edging you in the end. But in that race, you were the chase. You were the person that everyone wanted to, to show up and beat. And in the Olympic trials, as much as you are certainly a part of that upper echelon of women's marathoning in the U.S. right now, I don't think anyone um, necessarily would say you're the clear cut favorite in this race, like you were last year uh, in grandma's marathon. So do you prefer that scenario where you're maybe more the chaser than this past summer in 2023 in Duluth, where you were the headline, you were being chased uh, by everybody else in that field? I think it's, um, yeah, dependent on the scenario, because for sure, at the Olympic trials, I want to be an underdog. I don't want anybody to look at me and think, oh, I should be afraid of her. I want to kind of hide in the shadows until it's time to make a big move. But uh, on the flip side of that, when I'm at grandma's, I want people to be afraid of me because that kind of feels like my hometown course. And like, I want to defend that. So um, but looking at the trials, yeah, I definitely want to be the underdog that nobody is thinking about. And are surprised about at the end. How competitive describe your competitiveness to us in, in a way that, that helps us understand Dakota, because as you've come up through grandma's marathon, we've talked a lot. And, and if you haven't heard this story, I won't make you repeat it about how you smile your way through races. Uh, it's, it's such a, a an interesting uh, discussion about the the human mindset, right? And and you and I have, have talked a lot about it over your years of winning here in Duluth. But in in the end, everyone, whether it's Grandma's Marathon or the Olympic Trials, everyone on that line is very, very competitive. So how do you balance the, the friendly nature with which you've kind of built your persona um, in marathoning to where with also the competitive side of you that really wants to to be the winner in the end? It's so funny when people bring that up and that kind of that balance of like, oh, you look like you're so happy and you're having fun. Like you must not be taking it seriously. And if anything, I feel like I'm trying to take it more seriously by smiling and having fun. Number one, you're like tricking your brain into thinking that what's happening right now is good and okay, even though it hurts. But um also like you don't ever want to look over at your competitor and see her smiling right like that you're like oh no she feels really good so I hope that sometimes that can trick somebody into thinking like oh she's feeling way better than I am in this moment because even though I am super smiley and gigg giggly and happy I would consider myself the most competitive person I know um so it's definitely a little bit of a facade I suppose <laughs> you like the way that the Olympic trials is set up? And, and I don't know if anybody will ever come up with a better way to do it, uh, especially for the marathon. Um, but this is about one day, one race, four years of, of training uh, has, has worked up to this for everyone on that starting line uh, come February in Florida. And if you have a good day, you could end up on the team in Paris. But if you have kind of a subpar day, there's enough 
talent on that line that that you're probably not going to be on the team. Do you like that that scenario that kind of one and done the top three are going and everybody else uh, it's better luck in in four years? I do like it because if we look at the 2020 trials, I would not say anybody predicted those three women to go. And I would not say that when we saw that team get made that anybody thought we were going to get a medal. We got a medal out of that because we sent like three really gritty women. And I don't necessarily know if we would have got a medal if uh, we had sent our three like quote unquote fastest women. So I like it because it sends it sends somebody who's really strong and really gritty and it gives somebody like me who's more of an underdog in the field to have a chance at at making the Olympics. I think it makes the Olympic it kind of encaptures like the Olympic dream. Are you to the point in your career where you can stand on a starting line no matter who else is there and think if I run my best race, if I have my best day, there's no one that can compete with me there. I'm going to make this team. Is that the mentality that, that you're able to have now this time around going into the trials? Totally. My entire life, my dad has this quote that he's told me before almost every race that anybody can beat anybody on any given day. That's what it is. So I guess that's always been my mentality. Even when I, you know, was ranked 33rd at the Olympic trials in 2020, it's, I got to keep my dad's positive thought in my head. Like anybody can beat anybody. So you just never know when you're going to have the A plus day and they're going to have their worst day. So you've just always got to be ready for that. I want to dive in a little bit to the to the way the course sets up and and you'll know more than than almost anybody out there about how this Olympic trials course uh, is set up for for you guys uh, come February. But is this a Dakota Lindworm course? Uh, we know that Grandma's Marathon is, but you compare that to a Boston Marathon or Chicago Marathon. Every marathon's a little bit different in your running style. Does it lend itself to what you're going to see uh, in the trials uh, in three weeks? Definitely. It's very flat. It's very fast. It has nice long stretches of straightaways. And I would say that's all the things that um, are in my favor. Actually, if I if I had to say, I would not say grandma's is one of my, um, it, it's not necessarily in my wheelhouse of courses because it's so rolling and it it's constantly undulating up or down. But this course is very flat. And I think that that's where I shine the most as if it's just really repetitive flat. I don't feel like my muscles fatigue from that as quickly. What is a course that's in your wheelhouse then? Where is your, maybe your favorite course that you've run uh, as far as the terrain goes? If we're talking strictly terrain, I would say more like a Chicago that's flat. Um, Of course, I've got the horrific little hill right at the end. That was really painful, but um, that is only if we're talking about terrain. I will always, there's no there's no comparison to grandma's if we're talking about the whole picture. The start time was a big piece of conversation uh, going into the Olympic trials. And, and here in Duluth, we run in mid June, but the temperatures are usually in the mid fifties. Sometimes they creep into the sixties uh, by the time you're finishing and then maybe seventies by the time the rest of the citizen field gets in. But this time you're running in Florida. Have you done anything else uh, training wise to prepare yourself? I know they moved the the start time up a little bit to try to help with the heat, but it's still going to be a fairly warm day, we expect. You know, I think that whole discussion has been super silly. I've been living down here in Florida since um, right after Thanksgiving. And what I've learned is that any day is different than the last. No day. It's very inconsistent down here. 
Um, I think this morning I woke up and it was like 40 degrees. I wore gloves and a headband. So, I mean, if it's going to be hot at noon, it's going to be hot at 10. So I guess like there's not that whole discussion just seems so silly now that I live down here. It, it seems like that is so much not the concern, like what time the race starts. It'll just depend on what day the race is. Um but I've been going out for my doubles later in the afternoon just to try to get the heat just in case it's warm. But I don't know that it's going to be. I feel like Florida's not been that warm since I've been down here. <laughs> you moved down there for training then? How long have you been there? Yeah, I um, the day after Thanksgiving, drove down with my puppy and we stayed in Daytona Beach for a couple of weeks. And now I'm in Orlando. Fantastic. And the training's been been going well. Have you run on the actual trials course as part of your training or are you doing it somewhere somewhere separate? So yeah, I'm living in Kissimmee, which is like a suburb, but I have been on the course and done two loops on it. And I, I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited to be out there. It sounds like talking to you that you're in one of these camps decidedly, but it seems like when we talk to people going into the trials, there's there's one type of athlete that doesn't want to think about the end goal. They just want to focus on the process and, and try to show up on race day and, and be at their best. And then there's others that have no problem envisioning themselves in the team USA colors at the opening ceremonies running in Paris, which type of athlete are you? Are you dreaming about uh, what could be here? Uh, could be your reality in a month or are you trying to push all that aside and just focus on uh, the training and what needs to be done to get there? It's funny. I didn't even think there was the second camp other than what I, the one that I live in, which is the one where I dream of uh, making that final right turn on the course and, you know, cross, you know, crossing the finish line with my arms open and having that American flag draped over my shoulders. I'm dreaming of that every single day, a hundred times a day for sure. So that brings on the question and it's okay to ask this because you've had this dream. What would it mean to Dakota Linworm to add Olympian to your ever growing running resume? Oh, it actually, you just saying that like just brought tears to my eyes. I train, I've just trained for so long and had this weird and stupid dream that I could be an Olympian. I have, have had no reason to believe that, um, I could do this for most of my career. I've been such an underdog. So I think to just see that come to fruition and just see all my hard work pay off, that would just mean so, so much to me. And I think it would just be so exciting to have like my dad be there at the finish line and my family, my aunts are going to be there to, to celebrate with me because I've seen all the hard work that I can, that I've been putting in and they've believed in this silly little dream of mine for so long. I'm just, uh, I couldn't, be more excited if that's the the turnout. Dakota and I have had a deal uh, since early in the fall is that we we would prefer not to see her as part of the Grandma's Marathon field uh, this coming June because that means that she's getting ready for Paris. But uh, that is our hope and your hope. Uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your training. And uh, we appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you the next time that you're in Duluth. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll I'll be there uh, in June. I just don't know in what capacity yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's it uh, with Dakota. In total, we have 147 athletes on the men's and women's side who have run previously in Duluth. So there are plenty of people to be rooting for. Dakota, Dakota Lindworm certainly 
one of those as she continues to pr prepare for the Olympic trials in February. This Gearing Up for Grandma's podcast brought to you by Essentia Health. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends. Grandma's Marathon proudly presented by Toyota, Members Cooperative Credit Union, and ASICS. Until next time, everyone, be well.